0: Well, hi there, I'm Julie Van Warmer, and this is Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Hey, don't forget to follow our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast, and if you ever want to email me anytime, it's unshakensalm 622 at gmail.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Unshaken, on your favorite podcast directory. Uh, that way you'll get notification when new episodes drop, And also, you'll be able to know when our new season starts this upcoming September of 2021. You will not want to miss any of the episodes for each of our seasons. And also, you can head back anytime and listen to any of the seasons that you may have missed. I'm so glad you're joining me today, though. Today, we're going to listen to a pre-recorded talk from the Regarding Him conference called Daughters of the King. We're kind of finishing up our theme this season on the topic of living out your faith, How you and I can live our faith out in our everyday life. It's sort of a lot of practical ideas and suggestions that we've talked about all season long on topics like prayer and Bible reading, Scripture memory, the importance of attending your local church. And today we're going to finish up these last two episodes today and next week all on the topic of hospitality. We're going to listen today to a pre-recorded talk given by Sarah French. It is so helpful as we think about how we can be hospitable, why God calls us to be hospitable, and then, honestly, some really practical ways to think about hospitality and who we should be hospitable to. Next week, I will be interviewing a good friend of mine about all the realities of opening your home up on a consistent basis. So you'll want to join us for that, too. So hey, let's get ready to listen to this week's recorded talk. The gatekeeper letting down the drawbridge.
1: The talk that is meeting in this room right now is the gatekeeper letting down your drawbridge or letting down the drawbridge. This talk is on hospitality. Um, so, if you're in the wrong place, now would be the time to get up and leave. <laughs> if you leave now, my feelings won't be hurt. If you leave like 10 or 15 minutes from now, I'm going to a little thing. So, you know, right now, uh, my name is Sarah French, and I'll be taking us through this material today. And um, I'd like to start by opening in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together um, today and to study your word, Lord. I thank you for the ladies that are here. I pray that you would use the teaching um, that they've heard to encourage them, Lord, um, to change their hearts where they need to be changed and to show all of us. I just just pray that we would take things away from today that would encourage us to live um, more like, like you have for us, Lord. May we glorify you and all the things that we do and say, and I pray that you would be with us right now as we look at this topic of hospitality. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Um, so, oh, welcome. Okay, well, growing up, I heard a lot of stories about my grandparents' hospitality, uh, particularly of my mom's parents. Uh, she grew up in the Chicago area in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, My grandparents did a lot with international students um, that attended the universities in that area. Obviously lots of schools in Chicago, so they did a lot with with the international students there. Um, They were also very involved in the Civil Rights Movement. That's how my parents met, actually. And so they had a lot of meetings in their homes, and this was in addition to the boisterous uh, Irish-German family celebrations that my grandmother would host in her home. So it was just, it was apparently a very fun house. My mom was in the, the first breakout session that I gave. She was in here, and we were reminiscing about how there was a few family occasions. One time that a sprayer, you know, the sprayer you use at your sink, that became a weapon in the hands of some cousin, you know, and the house was drenched. And then there was another time where my grandma would finish washing the dishes, and she'd set them down, and a sneaky aunt or cousin would grab them and put them back okay. in the dirty pile. On them. So, the whole time she's doing these dishes. Um, so it's, it's always fun to hear my mom recount these stories about her family, and not only the joy that she had in those moments, but also to hear how the Lord used those times in her life and in the lives of others. Um, there was a particular student who, his parents, he was staying with my grandparents for the Christmas holiday. He was from Bolivia. And um, a revolution broke out in his country, and he was able to stay with them for, for quite a while after that. My baby came close. My mom ended up living in Spain with his family after they emigrated. Um, and just the, the changes and the neat things that happened because of them hosting an international student on Christmas to show hospitality for that. It's just neat to hear those stories. Um, So I grew up hearing those stories. In college, I ran cross-country, and a teammate would often invite all 20 of us, um, both the boys and the girls cross-country, came to her home, uh, her family's home for the weekend. And they lived in a fairly large home, so there was a lot of room for us to spread out. And they lived out in the country, so there was a a lot of outdoors room as well, and a barn and some animals, things like that. And her mom was a great cook, so there was good food to eat. And her dad was um, sort of one of these gruff, argumentative guys who, you know, kind of a curmudgeon, but you really love him. And he would stay up late into the evening with the boys team, arguing with them. About their life philosophies, or perhaps the the lack thereof, of life philosophies. (laughs) So, you know, the girls, we'd be hanging out somewhere in the house and we'd we'd know that Mr. Horn was down there arguing with the guy about something stupid that they said. Um, (laughs) um, They're all very bright now. I keep in touch with them. They're all doing fine. Probably because he yelled at them. Um, So, but I would ask can any of you relate to this? Is there a home or a person that was like that in your life? You know, even if it was a long time ago? Um, I imagine that the memories and the feelings can still be very fresh for you. And some of you can probably point to tangible effects that have happened in your life um, because of that experience or the relationship that you had. You know, I know that I can look back on that in my life, and I'm, you know, I'm not all that unique, so I'm pretty sure that you can look back in your life and see those things too. Well, um, back to my friend's mom. I remember thanking her one time as we were leaving to head back to college, and she said, well, this is my spiritual gift. I practiced the gift of hospitality, and I thought, "Wow, that is the gift that I want." You know, I read scripture about some gifts. You know, and there's you know, evangelism. That's scary. Okay, missionary work. I do not like bugs or humidity. You know, you about these things. Teaching that also. That's a, you know, but hospitality. This sounds great. You know, you cook and you have people over. Everybody has a nice time. You know, this is the gift that I want. Hit me with that Lord. You know, go ahead. You know, knock me over with it. And so. Um, you know, I did some more growing up, and after I married Matt and I, uh, we began to establish our home. And I was eager to practice my understanding of hospitality. Um, so we tried to keep an open house. If there was a the meeting place was needed for a Bible study or an event, um, we wanted to be open to hosting that. If someone needed a place to stay um, overnight or whatever, we would try to accommodate that. And then we just tried to have people over regularly so that we could get to know them and to be involved in their life. And quite frankly, at that point in my life, when I was, you know, fairly young, newly married, um, we only had one or two kids. um, Practicing hospitality wasn't something that was difficult or off-putting for me. Um, It was something that we enjoyed, and we had the time and the resources to pull it off. So I felt like, hey, I'm a pretty hospitable person. You know, I got what I wanted. Thank you, God. You know, gave me that gift. Um, And then a few years into our marriage, and um, a friend of mine, so. A friend of mine was doing a talk on hospitality, and she was going to be speaking on this topic, and I thought, well, that's something I could learn from. I'd really like to go and hear what she has to say. And I'm so glad that I did, that I went to hear what she had to say, because she spent most of the time talking about the difference between hospitality on the one hand and entertaining on the other hand. And I wouldn't say that I was cut off at the knees by her talk. Um, But it certainly opened up a new way of thinking for me about hospitality that still challenges me to this day. And we're probably, you know, 10 years out or so from that. And that's what I want to do today. I want to give you a broader and a deeper view of hospitality that is rooted in Scripture rather than in society. And I want to help you see how the Lord can use you and bless you as you use your home for Him. Okay. So the first thing that I came away with from her talk was the firm conviction that hospitality is actually not a spiritual gift. Okay. That was um, so spent all that time doing was a spiritual gift it's not a spiritual gift, okay? It might come easier to some people, and some people might seem to be better at it, okay, it might seem to be better at it. But hospitality is actually a biblical command. It's a practice that we should all be engaged in, just like reading God's word, attending church and prayer. It's not something that's optional. Um, we can infer this from many different passages in Scripture, but I think Romans 12:13 is probably um, the most direct and the most plain about this. It says, "Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality." Um, and if you read Romans 12, that comes through a whole chapter where um, Paul is writing instructions for the disciples of Christ for Christians. Um, so it's not there's not a caveat around that. Okay, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So this isn't something that was a spirit that's a spiritual gift. Something that we're all called to. The second thing I came away from my friend's talk with was that there is a clear difference between showing hospitality and entertaining. I alluded to this a little earlier. I am not here to badmouth entertaining. Okay? There is a time and there is a place for it and there is a definite benefit to it. And there are often times that I would say when my home is open and I think I, I would say this probably falls under entertaining rather than showing hospitality. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think that we need to understand the general distinction because if we're called to hospitality, we wanna make sure that we're doing that too. And we're not gonna we're not gonna do it if we don't know what it is. Um, and so I think that in very general terms, hospitality is done to bring glory to God and to point people toward Christ, whereas entertaining is done to bring glory to us. Okay? And like I said, I entertain sometimes. And so there are times when I think what I'm doing probably is bringing more glory to me than it's bringing glory to God. Okay. And I'm just, I'm hanging with very broad strokes here as I'm saying these things, but I think we have to have to make these distinctions. You know, if I, we, um my husband and I are part of a gourmet group. And so every couple months, one of us will host and everybody takes a different dish and you're making this glorious dish, and if you have it at your house, you decorate, and it looks fabulous, and people come over, and you all eat your dishes, and you talk about the food, and those times are fun, and I think they're profitable, and we have a great time, but I don't necessarily think that when I'm doing that, that that occasion is one where I'm pointing people to Christ, or I'm using my home to bring him glory. It's more for us than it is for that. Okay? So... I think that there are two easy tests that I put myself through in order to figure out where my motive is or where this particular event might lie, and they're they're pretty useful for me for me to test to see what I'm engaging in. Um, the first thing that I'll ask myself is if I'm stressed and worried about what people will think of me before, during, or after an event, then my mindset for this event is probably likely one of an entertainer because I'm really concerned about myself. You know, if I'm stressing out about something, if I'm worried about it. If people leave and I'm mulling it over and wondering, oh, did they like me, did they like this, did they have a good time? You know, there's a lot of things being, a lot of thought in that, then my mindset is likely one of an entertainer. Another good test, at least for me, is to reflect on the conversations that took place during this occasion. And if the conversations mainly stayed on the surface, if they never dug into people's lives or covered meaningful topics, you know, topics that matter to eternity, then I think that what I was doing was entertaining rather than showing hospitality, okay? And like I said before, I think i I admit readily that we're painting with very, a very broad brush here. I think you can have events that have both things going on, and as I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with entertaining, but these are, these are broad brush strokes, but I think we need to have these distinctions. Now, I understand that this can be a new way to think about hospitality. Many of the ideas that we currently embrace in regards to the topic um, aren't found in scripture or they're packaged with so many extraneous ideas that um, our hospitality can lose its punch or its purpose. You know, if I asked you to name some famous hospitable people, we might hear names like, what? Famous hospitable people. Who would you say? Martha Stewart. Okay, first name that came out of the last ribbon. It's the first name on my list too. I thought, oh, I should have candy. Okay, so, you know, famous hospitals, like I said, we might hear names like Martha Stewart Have we heard. Anybody else? That fabulous reader the Pioneer Woman, love her, love, love her show. Okay, the Pioneer Woman, Rachel Ray, you know, include them to them. What they do, they do well. I benefit from it. It's great stuff, but I would argue that at the heart of it, it's entertaining people rather than showing hospitality. Um, now, at this point, some of you might be saying, "Ah, I don't see anybody saying that, but some of you might be saying that <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> you might have a sigh of relief. Maybe you've read those portions in Scripture that commend and command hospitality, and you thought, well, I would like to be that kind of person. I'd like to do that, but I'm not a Martha Stewart. I'm not a Reed Drummond. I'm not a Pinterest maven. You know, uh, I'm going to have to leave that to somebody else. You know, that just is not me. That's not something that I feel good at doing, so I'm just going to have to leave that off. And I hope that you come away from this breakout session encourage that hospitality is for you, okay? That you can set those expectations aside and come out encouraged that hospitality really is something that you can do. Some of you here are probably fabulous entertainers. In fact, I see some of you, and I know you are. I also know you're very hospitable people, you know, but um, I hope for you that you come away from this breakout session with an idea of how to go deeper and wider with your hospitality to bestow more of the love of Jesus Christ on people who are in your home and to read more of the blessings of hospitality for yourself. And finally, there are probably those of you who have a great understanding of hospitality. You know, you could come up here. Does anybody want to come up here? You could come up here and do this talk. Um, you know, you understand hospitality. You get those distinctions as they're described by scripture. And for you, I hope that this time is an encouragement to you. Um, a pep talk to keep on trucking. You know, keep fighting the good fight, doing the good work there. So... In essence, we have a smorgasbord here. I'm hoping that there's something for, for all of us, something for everyone. Okay. So, as we um, take a look at this, I think it would be helpful for us to dig deeper into the word hospitality or hospitable as it is used in scripture. Okay. And the word hospitality in Greek is philosinia. Yeah. I am not a Greek scholar, so I don't know if I said that right, but we're only going to say it once or maybe twice, so it's okay <laughs> if I don't have it just right. Uh, straight translation would render this word philosinia as a friend of strangers. It's typically used to depict a warmth, friendliness, or love shown to strangers through the generosity of one's home. And in other news, this is a feminine word, which shouldn't come as a huge surprise to us. I mean, we get that the aura or the essence, the flavor, the aroma of a home is often set by the lady of the house. So it's not surprising that it's a feminine word. Okay. Now at this point of my talk, this is what I was alluding to when I said I'd feel really bad if you got up 10 minutes into it. <laughs> At this point of my talk, I kind of feel like I piled a whole bunch of ideas and information on you. You know, first I hit you with the hospitality versus entertaining distinction. And now I'm telling you that Scripture wants you to welcome complete strangers into your home. You know, you might have signed up for this talk and you might have thought, oh, she's going to go over some quick cleaning tips, or she might have some natural <laughs> recipes for me, or maybe you know some theme party ideas. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. You know, and then here I am. I'm telling you these hard things. Um, you might be a little bit disappointed here and wanting to bolt, but stay with me. Stay with me, okay? Um, I don't know about you, but when I began to study this. I was taken aback when I learned that practicing hospitality is tied to showing warmth to strangers. And, you know, we can be broad with that. We could think of strangers as maybe people that we're not particularly close with, that we don't have a whole lot of affinity for, people that our paths don't often intersect that idea can make me very uncomfortable you know standing in the lobby out here even i want to be around people that i'm comfortable with that i trust that i know you know that i have an affinity for let alone in my own home you know i you know, if i want to be with people that that i'm close with out here in the lobby i certainly want to be with the, those same kind of people in my own home my physical space at best i tend to think that having a stranger in my home is going to be awkward or uncomfortable and at worst it can make me feel fearful and scared But clearly, this idea of the stranger is central to hospitality. It's in the definition. It's implied in many of the verses that we um, could read about hospitality. We can't get away from it. Um, The other part that I think is a challenge in our particular time in society is that hospitality is rooted in the home. You know, and that comes through in the definition as well. Um, It doesn't say you're showing warmth to strangers and people you don't know very well at the local McDonald's. You know, it's tied You're showing warmth to, to strangers, to people in your home. And this isn't to say that you can't show hospitality in other settings, but being generous with one's home, one's physical space, is central to this practice. And that's a rare thing these days. You know, if we look back in history, you know, when I hear my mom recount stories of her childhood, as I mentioned before, or my dad, especially my grandparents, or even going back to, like, my grandma will tell me stories about my great grandparents, and I think, Did they have any private space? Like there were people all over. (laughs) Oh, oh, everywhere. And (laughs) like I don't know. And they didn't even have a bathroom. They had to go to an outhouse to get a private moment. Um, You know. But it's rare these days to have people into your home. This just isn't something that we do. And there might be a lot of reasons for this. Why society has changed. You know, why we're so much more of a private people. Um, you know, I think the fact that our families are more spread out is probably one of the reasons. Um, we don't have those connections come about because, oh, I know her because my brother's sister's friend's dog babysat them. No, don't have, don't have a dog babysat But, you know, so families are spread out. We live in larger cities, so we don't have that um, that smaller sense of community that, that has existed in times past maybe. We're busy. We are, we are so busy. Um, we tend to have a lot of connections through technology, which might make us, you know, feel connected even though we're not having the, those um, in people's actual physical space. Um, so anyway, I'm sure anthropologists could probably do a much better job of explaining this, but the fact is that in general we aren't in one another's homes like previous generations have. This is something that's rare to, to all of us. Um, and I think that these are kind of heavy things, and I think we might need some encouragement to think about this. We've got a lot of challenges as we think about the practice of hospitality. And so I think, you know, if we need encouragement, where should we go? Yes, something. Very good answer there. Okay, and that's exactly where we're going to go. Um, we're going to think about the gracious hospitality that God extends to us all of the time. And I think that if we see how hospitable God is that can help us to understand how we need to be hospitable to others and it can also serve as a really big motivation to spur us on in this practice. Um, you know, oftentimes it helps me to work out and apply something in my life if I have a blueprint or an example to follow and to learn from. And I think, you know, God is the ultimate example in this. We can learn a whole lot from him. So I'd like to go through five characteristics of God's hospitality, the hospitality that he shows to us all of the time. And the first example or the first characteristic is that we are invited though not deserving. Okay? Invited though not deserving. God welcomes us to his feast, even though there is nothing nothing special or deserving about us. You know, this is the party of all time and all of creation and if we are his children, we are pulled into attendance. Okay. This is kind of like you know, I was thinking, well, what would this sort of be like? And let's say you really wanted to go to a concert, but you you didn't have the money for tickets, you didn't know how to get tickets, and you called into the radio station, and you were the fifth caller, and you got some tickets. Okay. You're invited, though not deserving. You know, this is a characteristic of God's hospitality. The second characteristic is that we are shown a choice seat. God's table is not paltry, and His hospitality is not stingy. He gives the best, and he gives it to us in abundance. Okay. So now, in addition to getting those free tickets to the concert, um, you find out that they're in the front row, and you've got VIP passes, and they're going to send a limo to pick you up. You know, This is hospitality. It's not paltry. It's not dingy, It's in abundance. We are shown a choice seat when we come to God's table. Okay. So the third characteristic, I don't have a concert analogy for this one, by the way. Um, the third characteristic that we have of God's hospitality is that we are upheld for the duration. Okay. We're upheld for the duration. You've all heard the words of Benjamin Franklin, guests like fish begin to smell after three days. Okay. And I would say that Benjamin Franklin is a more gracious host than I am because sometimes I feel that way after three hours. Like, you go. i want to put that. You know. But God is not like this. He meets us where and when we need him, and like Psalm 103 says that uh, Melissa referenced that verse in our first plenary session, he understands our frame, okay? He he knows you. He's holding you for the duration, and he can do that because he knows you intimately. You know, if it's 3 a.m. and you wake up with a lot of anxiety welling up, he's there to greet you with comfort. You know, if it's 5 p.m. and you're driving home from work, and there are a lot of expectations on your evening, and then boom, you're stuck in a traffic jam, he is there to give you strength and patience as you wait that out. You know, he knows our frame. He is there to strengthen us. Um, there's a phrase that's popular now. I see it a lot on Facebook. And um, it's, it's that phrase, you got this. You know, I see that. You got this, sister. Oh, you got this. You got this. And it's funny because I see it used. I um, had a pregnancy complication with my last child, and so I'm part of this Facebook group with that. And it's something that's completely out of your control. Like, you don't have this, okay? And I will see women put things up. Like, I'm going to have my baby this morning, or something's happening. And people will write in, you've got this, sister. You've got it. No, she doesn't. No, we don't have this. God has this. That's where the comfort lies in this. You know, we are upheld for the duration, not because of us, but because God has this. He knows our frame, and he is there to take care of us. Um, He will get us through these things. The fourth characteristic of hospitality, of God's hospitality, that I want to hit on is that we're told to bring others to the feast. I imagine that some of you have been on the receiving end of unexpected guests. Maybe an invited guest brings someone and you weren't anticipating that person or maybe somebody just shows up. Um, I personally have been on both ends of the spectrum. When I was a young child, I was being babysat by somebody. And her daughter had to go to a birthday party. And she said, oh, it's okay, Sarah. You can just come to the birthday party. Actually, we have two gifts. So we'll put your name on this gift, and you can give it to the little girl you don't know. And and my daughter will give her this gift, and it'll be fine. Like, even at that age. I was probably nine. I don't think this is going to work out well, but whatever. <laughs> You're babysitting me. I don't really have a lot of options here. Um, so I went to this party, and it was nice. You know, we're still, you know, we play games, I'm sure, eat some cake. And then we sit around in a circle, a circle of people. And And the little girl whose birthday it is, lost her heart, she's got her presents, and she starts opening them. And so she gets to the one that has my name on it. Like, well, who's this from? I raised my hand. That's for me. And she kind of looks at me like, I don't know who you are. And she goes to open it, and then the the girl next to me, the girl who I came with, who should have been helping me out here, she's like, Yeah, that's actually not from her. That's for me. We're just saying that it's from her because she showed up in the party. So I so then everybody in the room, the circle, you know, looks at me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm the schmo that's just grabbing." Oh, you know, so you ended up feeling a little awkward or whatever. Um, just so you know, I've not carried this hurt around to people. I don't relive this regularly, but it exists. Okay. So I have been the unexpected, unwanted guest, and then um, with with uninvited guests at our wedding, Matt and I, you know, got married and everything. A couple of you in here were there. Yeah, that me and um, they were not in this group that I'm about to tell you about. They were invited. Um, We turned around and you don't really want to talk about this when you just got married but we're both looking out and we're both thinking where did they come from? Who is that? We did not invite that person. (laughs) What are we going to do at the reception? How are we going to handle this? You You start thinking about that. What's going on here? You've got uninvited guests people you weren't anticipating. It can be a little bit of an awkward or stress-inducing moment there. Um, but praise God, there aren't those moments with Him. You know, He is a very inclusive host. He wants us to bring others into His feast. Um, you know, His attitude, even at a wedding where you've got seats lined up and everything, you know, His attitude would be the more the merrier. Yay! There's uninvited people here. We know where to put this. You know, that's how God would approach that problem. Um, so we are told to bring others to the feast. His hospitality is very inclusive. Um, the fifth characteristic of his hospitality, this is the final one that I want to hit on, is the blessings that we receive are a witness to those around us. And I would hope that we've all seen a difference in somebody because God is active in their life. Okay. If we already have a personal relationship with God, then seeing God working in someone else's life can be a real encouragement to our faith. Okay. And if we don't have a personal relationship with God, seeing that God... Um, seeing God working in somebody's life can be something the Lord uses to bring us to faith. Um, and that's happened with my mom. Into her early 30s, she was a firm agnostic. And she had grown up in the church, but she had stopped attending when she, you know, grew up when she was out of her parents' home. And um, my dad was pretty much in the same situation. So fast forward, you know, through her life, you know, since where she was growing up, getting married, having me. And into her mid-30s, she and my dad moved to Toledo. And sure enough, she fell into friendship and relationship with a bunch of charismatic Christian La Leche League members. You know, a bunch of charismatic Christians that were into breastfeeding. And so there she was at these La Leche League meetings with these, you know, holy rollers. And she loved them. And she would hang out with them. And she would say to them, there's something different about you. You de- you deal with things differently. There's some- And they would say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And she'd just laugh at them. She kind of made fun of them behind their backs and, and to their faces. Um, but she was drawn to them. She was drawn to them. She knew there was something different. And she kept coming back to those friendships. And because of those friendships, the Lord used those to bring her to faith in him. You know, So when when we are practicing hospitality, the blessings that we receive and that others receive can be a testimony to those around us. The Lord can really use that. Um, and so that is the, the characteristic that I wanted to hit there. So, are we feeling, as we think about God's hospitality to us, are we feeling grateful? Are we feeling a little overwhelmed, maybe, about this example to us, about his abundant goodness to us? When we think about what he's done for us, does it make us eager to demonstrate this kind of love to others, to go out and to do these same things, to follow His example? Okay. Maybe as we think about the challenges that we identified earlier, the ones that seemed really, really big and really awkward and really hard, maybe as we think about those in light of this, um, they won't seem so hard and big and discouraging anymore. Yeah. So, let's talk about strangers. You know, we talked about having strangers into our homes. When we think about strangers, who could that mean? You know, what groups could that include? Matthew 25. I'm going to go through three scriptures or four scriptures here. And hit some ideas of, of people that this could include. Matthew twenty five says, um, within its text or within that chapter, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And this is Jesus speaking. Okay? So I think we should be thinking hospitality should be shown to people who are weak and vulnerable. Okay? These are groups of people that we can be looking at. This might be um these would fall into the, the group of those strangers that we should be welcoming into our homes. It might include people that are on the fringes of what we're comfortable with or what we find acceptable. And the weakness of the vulnerability that's exhibited might be in a variety of areas. You know, it might be financial vulnerability, social, physical, spiritual, but somebody who is weak and vulnerable in an area, be on the lookout for those people. Be eager to, to bless them and to, to welcome them and to help them in that area. Okay? Luke 14 talks about, um, it's Jesus speaking, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Um, He's talking about when you're having a luncheon or a dinner. You know, if you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. Okay? And I think it's good for us when we're thinking about who to show hospitality to, you know, in this day and age, and I'm this way, you know, you think, well, I have them over, it's their turn to have me over. Okay? Well, we invited them to that event, and so now it's their turn to invite us to an event, or you know, okay, I watched her kids and did a craft with them, so now it's her turn to do that with me. You know, we we get that tip for tat mentality going, you know, but with hospitality, hospitality isn't keeping score or looking for future paybacks. You know, it's not, it's that's not the economy that it's working with. Um, and so I think we want to be eager to show hospitality to people without the expe- expectation of gaining anything from from that practice or that we're going to be repaid in some way with it. You know, and chances are you will. People are going to, you know, I mean, this is just the, the way that things work. But I think that when we're showing hospitality, we don't want to do it in a calculating way or looking to future payouts from it. Okay? Philippians 2 talks about, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus. And so this kind of relates, I think, to that first verse that we talked about in Matthew 25. Um, But I think it's good to hit on this again, that we want to show hospitality to people who are in need. And this might not be physical need. It might be, you know, young mother, you're meeting people where they are. Young mother might need some encouragement. An elderly lady that you know in your neighborhood or in your church, maybe she needs some companionship, somebody to talk to. But have eyes um, that see needs and be willing to minister to those people. Okay. And then the fourth group, I hesitated to put this in, but I think it's so neat, and I've got a fun story to go along with it, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it anyway. Um, it's the verse in Hebrews 13, two, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, how cool would that be? I mean, wouldn't it be neat to get to heaven and have somebody who's clearly an angel come up to you and say, that was a really good key she served me on December 11, 2009. I mean, That would be a fix. That would be a whole lot of fun. Um, So I just think it's neat that that whoever wrote the book of Hebrews throws that in there. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. You might be entertaining angels. And um, there's a pastor's wife. I read, uh, she has some books and some columns that she used to write for a magazine. And she told the story one time of how um, she and her husband knew that somebody was coming into town, but they didn't know the people that were coming into town. And they didn't have the expectation that these individuals would be staying with them. But the folks showed up at their house with their camper or whatever and basically, like, set up shop, you know, got everything plugged in. became clear to them. Oh, they are. They're staying with us. They're going to stay here. <laughs> okay. And, oh, and they expect dinner. Okay. So she said she made a big pot of macaroni and cheese because that was easy and she had the ingredients for it. So she gets the a mass pot of macaroni and cheese going for these people that she doesn't really know, but they're all talking and conversing. They're in the kitchen. And she said her kids started to come in, like, Mom, they're taking our bikes and riding around the block, and they're gonna wreck them up. And you know, she just looked at her teacher. Just... They might be angels. Let them ride. <laughs> and I think that's a really good attitude. Just go ahead and share your bike. They might be angels. They don't go over You know, they might be angels. Let them ride. So I get to say that to my kids, too. Well, they're taking my... Shh, they might be they might be angels. Let them play with your life. You know? So I think that can encourage you. So if anything else, be nice to the stranger that's in your home today. They may be an angel. <laughs> okay, so now that we've discussed and kind of opened up our idea about who strangers could be, who these strangers could be, and maybe that seems a little bit more like we feel like that's a little, we can deal with that because we've talked about the, the issue of these strangers. They're not just grabbing complete strangers off the side of the road and, you know, dragging them into your home, although maybe you will do that. Um, but we've talked about this issue of strangers and who that might be. I'd like to talk about the issue of the home. When we think of having people into our home, as we talked about before, our physical space, we can get a little nervous. You know for a variety of reasons, we might be a little shy about doing that. Um, but I think we can learn um, about the Father's hospitality and the hospitality of Christ and how we can apply that to our life even in this area here. Um, I think this is an area where we need to use discernment. but at the same time, we don't want to be making decisions, and I can't stress this enough, we do not want to be making decisions out of selfishness and for fear, okay? We serve a powerful God. He's a great God. He takes care of us. He provides for us. We do not want to make decisions or give ourselves excuses out of, um, out of selfishness or out of fear. So the Father invites us into his home without any reservation. And, you know, he doesn't wait until we're socially shiny or perfectly proper to include us at his table. And in fact, a lot of times the the change that happens to us happens because we're in his home and we're seated at his table because we're his daughters. Okay. Um, so I don't want us to hesitate to have people into our actual physical home, but I would also say that Jesus didn't have a physical home, you know, as far as we know. You know he wasn't the proud owner or renter at twenty seven eleven Nazareth Street. You know, but he did invite people unfailingly into his physical space and into the day-to-day activities of his everyday life. You know, think about all that time that he spent with the disciples, with the crowds of people. You know we can learn a lot from that. Maybe you're showing hospitality to a woman by including her in the activities and the things you do outside the home. You know, you might have a picnic. You might go to the zoo. You might pull her into a ministry that you're involved in or an activity that you're doing. You know, there may be some instances, you know, thinking about this, where you will be showing hospitality to someone even in their own home. You know, it kind of becomes a tag team event. They provide the house and you're providing the hospitality. Um, this has happened a few times in my life. So. I think that when we look at hospitality, it's typically taking place in the home, but it's not limited to that. You know, we have a large sphere or a large area that we can work with. There are other avenues where we can be practicing this virtue. So, now that we've thought about the hospitality that God shows to us and how we can apply that to our life, um, what do we see in Scripture that is specific to hospitality? How do we match these instructions to be hospitable women with other things that we read in the Bible? And I so appreciate that God doesn't just call us to do big things, mm-hmm. but he follows it up with specific instructions and even tells us the attitudes and the motives that we should follow and that should sustain us. Okay. There are many verses or sections of scripture that speak about hospitality specifically or describe people engaged in it. And um, this shouldn't surprise us. The Christian life is a life of relationships, So, um, you know, after all, we're going to have hospitality is going to you're going to get rolled into that if you're talking about relationships. You're going to eventually be talking about hospitality. Um, but what can we learn from Scripture about this? Personally, I was encouraged and kind of inspired by just a little snippet in Romans. Romans 16.6, Paul is closing out his letter to the Romans, and he says, Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. You know, and that got me thinking about this woman who obviously worked hard to care for Paul and his friends. You know, we don't know the specifics, but we can imagine some things about her and about the situation that she was in. Her time was taken up, taking up caring for Paul. She likely was sacrificing doing other things in order to care for him and for his friends. There were probably people in and out of her home, Paul and his group, and there were probably people she didn't know that came into her home to see Paul um, that she was playing hostess to. And she likely cooked for them, cleaned for them, tended fires for them, encouraged them. You know, I mean, it says that she bestowed much labor on them. We can we can infer a lot from that. Um, and she did all of this, this, these very hard and physical things. She did them with an attitude of gift-giving, with bestowing this on Paul and his companions. Her attitude wasn't grungy or stingy. She did this labor as though she was giving them a great gift and she is commended for that and remembered in Scripture to this day. You know, here we are in 2015 talking about this lady named Mary. Um, you know, that's the kind of woman that we should aspire to be. And we want to be eager to bestow labor on others. We don't want to be afraid to roll up our sleeves and, you know, work out some of our elbow grief in order to bless somebody else. Ephesians 2.10 steers us toward that attitude when it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this is encouraging. The good works that God has prepared for us can take many forms, but it's not a stretch to think that he has prepared acts of hospitality for us to perform. Okay? Be looking for those. Be eager to see where God is calling you to open up your home. Maybe it's having an elderly neighbor over for coffee or encouraging your child to host a pizza party for his or her classmates. Perhaps it's having a college student over, um, you know, after church, to have a home-cooked meal and some family kind of conversation and interaction. You know, I could go on and on with different examples of how God could be calling you to hospitality, and that's kind of the neat thing about this, that God is gracious and has prepared something just for you to do. You know, like we said before, we brought up that verse from Psalm 103. He knows your frame; praying. He prepared something just for you. Um, the lady who cuts my hair and I were talking about this recently. Do you like my hair? <laughs> should I tell her good things about that <laughs> the cousin highlights um, we were talking about this recently she and I are both Christians we're both named Sarah um, we're about the same age we both have kids we both live in Toledo, Ohio but our interests in our lives are very different and rather than that being something that divides us um, instead it's something that's neat for us to speak with each other about and see how the Lord tailors the areas of our ministry and obedience to the unique people that he has made us um as I I keep bringing up I probably brought it up too early before but I'll mention it again that verse in Psalm 103 where he knows our frame if he's prepared a good work of hospitality for you then I assure you that in his strength you will be equipped to carry it out so be on the lookout for these good works that God has prepared for you to do be eager to take them on because of the confidence you have not in your own fabulous abilities although you know you probably do have great abilities but be eager to take them on because of the confidence that you have in God's faithfulness not in your own strength A corollary to this verse in Ephesians 2 is um, the verse in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, which says, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Um, I know that you have reasonable excuses not to practice hospitality, and I know you have these excuses, these very reasonable excuses, because I have them too. You know, you're too tired, you're too busy, your family needs you, your house is too small, Your house is too nice. You don't have the money. You don't feel like cooking. You're emotionally exhausted and can't bear the thought of making conversation. It's somebody else's turn to have you over. Okay? I know these excuses because I have articulated all of these. I have said them out loud. (laughs) And I have thought them on even more occasions. You know, but in light of this verse in Second Thessalonians 3:13, I would encourage us that while hospitality will look different during different seasons of our life, hospitality is always in season. You know, so yes, the week that I came home from having a baby, I was not hosting 40 people. You know, for a light dinner of soup and salad. You know, we didn't do that. If you're caring for an aging parent or somebody who's ill, you know, you're not going to be. Of course, things are going to change. The kind of hospitality that you're able to practice and show will change based on the season of life that you're in. And God is aware of that. And he is gracious about that. But always be looking for ways to show hospitality because it's something that we're called to. Don't tire in doing that. Be willing to, to be gracious with yourself and tailor it to what's going on in your life and in your family's life at that time. You know, I know a woman, a, a, a acquaintance of mine, and for 10 years, I'm not joking about this either, for 10 years, I've heard her say at least once a year, I'm going to start having people over when I and trails off. And it's been lots of different things. It's been, when I get the right soup bowls. That was one. You know, when when I this, when I that. When things are just right. And things are never going to be just right. You know, you're always going to be tired. You're always going to feel like, you know, something could be different about your house. Don't wait for that perfect moment. Hospitality is always in season. You know, just go ahead and you do it. Um, and related to this is where your strength for doing these good things comes from. There are very tangible benefits from practicing hospitality and I'll touch on those in a minute. I think those are an encouragement to us. But ultimately, we need to remember that we are practicing hospitality because it pleases God and because he is faithful to strengthen us in it. I often take encouragement from the knowledge that God is no man's debtor and that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, he's no man's debtor I'm not going to do a whole bunch of stuff that suddenly is going to make him be in my debt. You know, well, I put on that party for those people, or I did this and I did that, and you owe me. You know, God always pays his debts. He's all, you know, I mean, abundantly so. We will not be the less because we've shown hospitality. And if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, well, that just means he is flush with resources, um, both physical and emotional and spiritual, to sustain us as we do this. You know, so keeping these things in mind is how we don't tire in our practice of hospitality. Um, at this point, I'd like to discuss some of the benefits and blessings that come from this practice that I've seen in my life. And you know, when we practice hospitality, we're sort of casting our bread on the waters, and we don't always see how the Lord uses it. And that's that's okay. You know, we'll probably it'll be kind of fun. We'll get to heaven, and we'll get to find out. You know, how the Lord used that. You know, that angel will come up to us, or somebody else. You know, we'll find out how the Lord used it. I can go talk to Mrs. Horn and tell her how her hospitality affected my life. Um, you know, but we can see how the Lord can use the hospitality that we show back in our own life, how he blesses us through that practice. And there are some four different areas where I've seen this in my life that I want to share with you. The first is that when we act in faith and see that God is faithful, our faith is strengthened. You know, And this can be something really small and this can be something really big. But when we see that God is working, it strengthens our faith. And um, I know that when we've had people over, there have been times when I thought, I am just not up to this. I'm not going to be able to pull this off. Um, You know, go back to those listed excuses that I gave you. And the Lord comes through. I mean, and I know that it's Him. And it's supernatural. And He sustains me through it. And that increases my faith. So when we act in faith and see God being faithful, that increases our faith. Um, A second area where I have been blessed through the practice of hospitality is that when we do this, our relationships with other people will deepen. We can be more vulnerable with them. They can be more vulnerable with us. This leads to friendship, encouragement, accountability. you end up bearing with one another's weaknesses and sharing each other's strengths. And those kind of earthly relationships will cause our relationship with God to deepen and strengthen and are also just a a huge encouragement in and of their own existence. Um, One of the first years that Nat and I hosted a Bible study in our home, our pastor encouraged another couple to come to the Bible study. And we were friendly with each other, but not not overly so. We didn't have a whole lot in common, and we kind of, oh, that's that's interesting. So I think you guys should be friends. And so they came, and we were there. And over the years, a great friendship developed between the the two couples, and especially between well, Matt's really good friends with the the husband too, but between me and the wife. And it's been that friendship has been a huge encouragement to me. And it wouldn't have developed if if both of us weren't willing to plug in and do something that at the time seemed a little awkward and a little weird. Um, but at this point, she's one of my closest friends. I can't imagine my life without her. You know? So, hospitality brings about these friendships. Um, for me personally, another area that I've seen the Lord work is that my children are blessed and challenged through our practice of hospitality. You know, it's good for my kids to see our home and resources and time being used to demonstrate God's love to other people. It's good for them to have to share things and hold them loosely. You know, in addition, they learn so much from the people that are in our home. Um, I just can't. That can't be quantified. My husband and I don't have perfect faith. Our walk isn't perfect. Um, and I'm glad that there are people that my kids are getting to know because they're in our home that they can learn from, that can fill in the the gaps where we're weak and where we're not um, maybe doing what we need to be doing. You know. So I think that hospitality blesses our children in intangible and innumerable ways. Um, and the fourth thing is that finally, scripture tells us that the love of believers show to one another and to unbelievers speaks to God's love. You know, God uses this. We mentioned this earlier when I talked about my mom. But John 13.35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we talked about before that opening up our home is a rare and unusual thing. And it makes people sit up and take notice. Um, I have relatives that are not Christians. And, in fact, sometimes they're hostile to Christianity because of some experiences that they've had in the past with Christians. But they are intrigued by the fact that we open up our home for so many different things. You know, this is an area that has allowed us to have conversations with them and where they know that there's something different about what we're doing. Um, It's made an impression on them. They know of God's love because of this practice. Practicing hospitality is a way that we as women can be obedient, can exercise faith, and can see our Father working. If we want to be used by him, you know, we have to be willing to get out there and be used by him. Um, It will always be imperfect. It will sometimes be exhausting and maybe even slightly awkward, but that's okay because it points to God's power and it gives him the glory even more.
0: Okay, so that was super duper helpful and really very practical. We are called to be hospitable. Sarah clearly showed us that the Bible gives us this command for hospitality. So I guess I wonder how you're doing As I record this here in the United States, We've basically come through most of our COVID situation and people are back to some normalcy and now it's time to do some inviting, inviting people into our homes. Maybe you have never done this and you could start fresh and new now. Or maybe you used to do this before the COVID time period hit and now you're gonna go back to inviting people over. Well, I thought I'd end today with giving you just a couple of personal pieces of advice. Okay, so I have four, are you ready? Number one, start by praying about who you could invite over to your home. Look around you for women or families that need some encouragement or even just someone that you don't know very well. Number two, start small. Don't invite over four families with lots of children. Start with one lady for coffee or invite a friend of yours and her kids to hang out in your backyard. Maybe invite an older couple over to hang out with your kids. Start small. Number three, keep it simple. You do not need to make a fancy meal. You can enjoy someone's company and have lots of good conversation over hot dogs, chips, and watermelon. It's easy and relatively cheap. And number four, my last little piece of advice. Are you ready for this one? Just do it. Actually make a phone call today or text someone inviting them over to your home soon. Hey, let me pray for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are abundantly hospitable to us. You welcome us even though often we are not even thinking about being hospitable to others. Help us to open our homes and our hearts to those around us, whether it be our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, our friends, and even strangers. Give us the strength and wisdom to invite people into our home. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week, we'll finish up our season with our very last episode focused on this same topic. As I said earlier, we'll be talking about a little more of the practical side of hospitality as I interview a friend who lives this in her everyday life. Also, we'll be finishing up the last two chapters of the book we've been reading together in our book chats that I've been doing with Erica Simpson. The book is called How to Be Free from Bitterness, and if you have not caught these particular episodes, you want to go and check them out. I am going to be discussing this with Erica, chapters 9 and 10, and uh, it has been really, really good for both of us. I think you're going to love it too. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.